Well, we are in uh, our series, Green Pastures, and we took a little uh, diversion last week by the direction of the Spirit of the Lord, and that was a good service, amen? Yes. Praise the Lord. He always gives a supply, and uh, never lack when you go with Him. And so um, we're going to be looking at a few passages of Scripture, probably going to focus in on uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, and uh, also will be in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And then a few other little ones, or maybe big ones, little ones, big ones. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you sent your word and healed us and delivered us. Father, we thank you that your words are life to us, health to our flesh, strength to our bones, and Father, deliverance to our minds. And Father, we thank you for your spirit, that he lives on the inside of us, leading us and guiding us. Thank you for words to speak today from your spirit, and thank you that you teach every single one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Psalm 23, 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Or uh, many translations say, the Lord is my shepherd, I have everything I need. The Lord is my shepherd, I have everything I need. Third John 2. I desire above all things that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. I desire that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. He said, I desire. Who said this? John. Who caused John to say this? The Spirit of God. The Spirit of God says, I desire that you prosper prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Now, Wednesday night, I'm not going to do that whole message. I get my faith words out there so that I don't before I say it. So I'm not going to redo all of Wednesday's message. But you know, you first must receive the shepherding, provision, protecting uh, power of God in your heart first before it will really show up in other parts of your life even as your soul prospers. So you really want your soul, your soul needs to feast on the manna from heaven first. And uh, once you get it in here in your spirit, well, then you've got it and it cannot be taken away from you. I don't care what they do or what they say. You get the word of God established in your heart. How do you get the word established in your heart? Well, faith comes by hearing. Faith is powerful. Faith can move a mountain. What you need is faith in your heart, which comes out your mouth and your actions. So, so then faith, Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So faith doesn't just come by hearing. You know, there's many ways to look at that. Faith comes by hearing and hearing. So the more you hear of the word of God, then the more you'll get established and faith will come. But you know, uh, Hearing is not just natural hearing. It's not just sound waves hitting your eardrum and, you know, vibrating it back and forth so your brain can interpret, what, what am I hearing? What is that? Right? You know what that is, right? Physics. My daughter started in physics, and so it was my favorite high school subject, and so uh, I have fun when she's like, oh, Dad, look what I learned. Oh, look what we're doing. How, how do you do this? I'm like, oh, let me help you. Are you sure you don't need help? Well, I was asking Mom. I'm like, don't ask Mom. Mom knows nothing about physics. No. <laughs> 
uh, Melody is very body kinetic, so she knows a lot about physics. Okay. She'll like, uh, we first got married and, you know, I'm just in the bathroom brushing my teeth. I'm from a home of four boys. And um, so we didn't do the, all the girls in the bathroom at the same type of thing because there were no girls. So we're uh, married and brushing my teeth and all of a sudden my wife comes in and she's like right here. And she kind of pushes me a little bit. And I was like, well, that was rude. And she thought, I've been looking forward to this. When I get married, I can brush my teeth with my husband in the bathroom. Because she did it with her sisters, you know. They all, you know, I, I don't know. I'm not a girl, so I don't understand all that. <laughs> and so, so I was like, well, okay. So I had to, like, learn, okay, she's, like, showing me love. But you ever read the book, The Five Love Languages, you know? She's showing me love the way she likes to be loved. But that's not the God kind of love. So the God kind of love, you show other people love the way that they would feel loved. And, you know, of course, the way the Bible says, whether they would feel it or not. And so, so we're in there, and, um, you know, I, I'm kind of like, uh, what, what is she doing? She's like, oh, I'm trying to be close. I'm like, oh, great, cool. So to this day, like, she know, now she knows, because if I'm in there, like, uh, she'll want to like push me out of the way or be right next to me and rub against me while we're brushing teeth and I'm kind of like that's just not practical <laughs> like I don't have room like I love you but I don't have room how good of a job can I do I don't have space <laughs> and so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God so it's not just a matter of physics. It's not just a matter of the physical hearing, although you have to hear it first. And, but it's a matter of hearing what God says. So what you do is you take the word and you, what the Bible calls, meditate in the word. You chew on the word. You think deeply into the word, but not only with your mind, you open your heart to the word of God. And so uh, you open your heart. You have to locate your heart. How do you locate your heart? Well, a great way to locate your heart is where if uh, you have to forgive somebody and you really don't want to do it, it's the place you go where you would actually release them from what they did. You find that place, you'll find your spirit. Or where you really forgive. You forgive and forget. Forgive and forget. Uh, you treat them as if that never happened because you don't have a um, stumbling stone or hardness of heart towards them in that area. So you don't harden your heart. You, 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 uh, you release them from that. I'm, I freely forgive. I freely forgive. Just because I freely forgive does not mean that I trust you. It just means I have nothing in my heart against you. So we do background checks on people that work with the kids and we do background checks on people that count the money, right? So if you are arrested for bank robbery or theft or something like that, you're not counting the money. If you molested children, you're not working with children, right? So if you stole from me or you molested me, then it's my job to say like, I I'm releasing you in my heart. But that doesn't mean that then I put myself in a position for you to hurt me again. Uh, do you understand? This is not in the message from, that I have written down. But this is vitally important. 
because it will protect you. Because some people get a wrong idea of the love of God. Well, Colossians actually says, or Philippians rather, that the love of God is discerning. So I can totally release you in my heart, but that doesn't mean that I have to put myself in a position to be hurt by you again. Right? So you can release someone in your heart. You have no ill will towards them in your heart. You're believing the best for them. But that doesn't mean that you say like, hey, uh, come and hurt me all over again. So... Uh, we walk in love, and love is not a wimpy thing. Love is a strong, vigorous substance, and it comes from God, and God is love. And so uh, uh, you walk in love, and the love of God will protect you because you, you probably have great justification to not forgive someone. You don't have to forgive them. They did something horrible to you. Why would you forgive them? You, they don't deserve forgiveness. Well, none of us deserve forgiveness. But the problem is, if you refuse to forgive, it's like drinking poison and expecting them to get hurt or die. So, uh, so you just, you'd be quick to forgive, quick to release, uh, but you don't necessarily uh, put yourself in a position to be hurt by them again. Right? Uh, that will protect you uh, if you do it. So faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, or the Greek literally says the rhema of God, which one of the best ways to think of the rhema of God is the word of God that's revealed or spoken to you. It becomes so real to you. And you, you get that by meditating in the word. My son, attend to my words, incline your ear to my sayings, let them not depart from before your eyes, keep them in the midst of your heart, for there are life to those that find them and health to all of their flesh. And so... Um, if you're going to prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers, it's going to happen by faith. It's going to happen by faith. I know there was a guy in Dad Hagen's, one of his first churches he pastored, and um, Kennedy Hagen, and uh, uh, this man came and he said, you know, I have tithed all my life, and if I have ever seen a financial miracle, I don't know it. And he said, well, um, here's what you do. You find scriptures about tithing, and then believe those and act on those and tithe. And he came back. It was within less than a month. I think it might have been within just a couple weeks. He came back and he said, he had a big smile. He said, it works. Because you possess the land by faith. And so it's good to tithe just because I was taught to do that from when I was young. I grew up in a Christian home. And so I did that from when I was young. But then when I started to learn what the Bible says, about just tithing alone, let alone sowing a seed above and beyond that. I started to put my faith on that, and then I started to see results. And so uh, the will of God is that you prosper and be in health. That's your body, even as your soul prospers. What's he mean by the first prosper? That's financial prosperity. That you would have more than enough financially in your financial portfolio, your financial package, your net worth, your cash flow, and sometimes you have not because you ask not. And, uh, you know, it's all different arenas. I know Pastor Mark said one time he was uh, with a, another minister friend, and uh, that minister friend said, uh, you know, we got, uh, he was pastor of a church. He said, uh, I think he said, we got $100,000 in savings. And Pastor Mark said, uh, well, I was just kind of like, hmm, I don't have anything in savings. But I so big, we so. And so he, he left that meeting and was just talking with his friend there. 
I was talking to the Lord about it. The Lord said, how come, how come I don't have anything in savings? And he does. And the Lord said, did you ever ask me for something in savings? And he said, well, no, I didn't. I didn't. So he asked the Lord uh, for something in savings. And long story short, man, he got more than 100000 in savings. So sometimes the problem is you just don't have your faith on it because faith works. Uh, you put your faith on that. And, uh, uh, you know, so you may have, uh, maybe you've got something in savings. Okay, there I'm talking about 100000 I'm talking about ministry savings. I wasn't talking personal savings. But you could have a, you could believe God for $100,000 in personal savings if you want. You might not want to have that much. You might want to put it some other places too. But, um, but, you know, you could have a certain amount that you're believing God for in savings and you get that amount. But you have no cash flow. You have no cash. Well, did you ever pray about cash? Did you ever speak about your cash? Well, I have money in this arena, but I don't have money in this arena. Well, did you ever, did you ever take your authority in that arena? So, so it's all by faith. Um, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. All right, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And, um, oh, praise the Lord. Step really quiet. Second Corinthians chapter eight. We're going to settle down there. And first, I'm going to read Proverbs eleven twenty four. There is he that scatters, yet increases, and there is he that withholds more than what is proper, but it only tends to poverty. ESV says one gives freely, and yet grows all the richer. Another one withholds what he should give, but only suffers want. Well, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Uh, CSB says, one person gives freely, yet gains more. Jesus said it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, just a, a page over from chapter 8 there, probably in your Bible, is like, God gives seed to the sower and he multiplies the seed sown. So that you always, in all things, have all sufficiency and you can give into every good work. So uh, God will increase you more and more, you and your children. And the blessing of the Lord makes you rich and adds no sorrow with it. So you, you can work yourself to the bone and make yourself rich, but, but I call that sorrow. What sorrow? Well, sorrow of I, I didn't spend, I didn't even, wasn't with my kids growing up. I wasn't able to be there for them. I'm like the fleshly father. I will provide. They'll know I love them because I give them stuff. They'll know I love them because I pay for their college. They'll know I love them because, the, you know, that's the flesh. That's, the, that's male flesh. They'll know I love them, I'll protect them. You know, I get them a big house and this car and this or whatever. So they'll know I love them. Well, no, they want you. They don't want the stuff. They want you. That's just your flesh, you know, uh, maybe because you're afraid to talk to him, maybe for other reasons, but that's just your flesh trying to flesh out. But uh, God's way is seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things will be added to you. So if you seek the things, you got it backwards. You seek him and the things will come. 
the Lord told Brother Hagin, he said, I'm not opposed to my children being rich. I'm opposed to them being covetous. I'm not opposed to my children being rich. I'm opposed to them being covetous. Why did he tell him that? Well, he said, if you be led by my spirit, I'll make you rich. If you be led by the spirit of God, he'll make you rich. Abundantly supplied. You'll have more than enough. The spirit will lead you into abundance. Financial abundance. He will lead you into financial abundance. But the Lord said, I'm not opposed to my children being rich. I'm opposed to them being covetous. He, he doesn't want us to covet. And, um, you know, uh, coveting puts things in the wrong place. I have a really nice covet definition here. But because we, we missed last week, I kind of combined two messages, so I had to find it. Covetous is having more or receiving more or wanting more with a reference uh, to power as well as property. It, 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 it really has to do with outdoing other people. Well, because why? Well, God is the God of increase. God wants to increase you. He said, I will increase you more and more, you and your children. And he said, I desire that you prosper, financial prosperity, and be in health, physical prosperity, even as your soul, spiritual prosperity, prospers. Right? Well, if prosperity means like you are so fully supplied, you have more than enough, then uh, uh, if coveting only means that uh, having more, well, then we should all believe God to have less. But the problem is there's so many scriptures about the blessing of the Lord will affecting you financially. He said, I will multiply your seed sown. In chapter 9 of 2 Corinthians, talking about money, I'll multiply your money sown so that you always and everything have all sufficiency and are able to give into every good work. But that sounds like you're prosperous to me. In other words, all of my needs are met and I can give into every good work. Well, that, that's pretty good. That sounds like it would be in God's interest for you to prosper. Because every good work, that'd be, there's none good but God, Jesus said. You know, they said, good teacher. He's like, don't call me good. He's like, there's none good but God. I said that just to get you thinking. That bothers some people. They try to defend Jesus. Well, he was good. He was good. Everything he did, he got from the Father. And those were good things that he did. But he, he, he's directing us that the source of all goodness isn't, wasn't even from him. It's the Father. Why? Because the same goodness he received from the Father and showed to the world, we received from the Father and showed to the world. The only thing is we can't get to the Father except through the Son. And he gave us an example that we could see how to do it. We could see what God looks like when a man is fully yielded to him. We could see what God does when he shows up in human flesh by looking at Jesus. Jesus is our Lord. He's our master. He's our savior. Hallelujah. So it has reference to outdoing others. This is talking about covetousness, being superior, taking precedence, excelling, forging ahead at other people's expense. Remember when Jesus walked in love by turning over the tables in the temple? That was an act of the love of God. Why did he do that? Un uh, uh, uh. Well, part of, part of the reason was he said, my house should be called a house of prayer. You made it, 
Isn't that interesting? People say, I've heard people say, see, you should never have a bookstore in a church. Well, we don't have a bookstore in this church, but it's mainly because I need someone like you or somebody else. I don't want to deal with the accounting thing of paying the taxes on the books that we would sell, and I'm not trying to make money on the books anyhow, so we just buy the books and give the books away. Because like, there's stuff like, a, you know, you could be like, oh, let's get all this stuff, and then you could buy it, and I'm just like, just go straight to Amazon. It takes, I don't want to deal with the accounting of that. Right? Jesus said, you have made what's supposed to be a house of prayer a den of what? Thieves. He actually didn't say, you're selling stuff in the temple, and that temple was different than the church, you know, because we are the temple of God. We come together, God shows up, but, you know, it's not like God doesn't live in brick and mortar or two-by-fours and fasteners, you know. He lives in human hearts. And so he's like a, in love, he turned over these tables. Why? Dishonest scales. And they turned all of the merchandising, all the sacrifice into merchandising. Like in order to worship God, you must pay me this much. I'll get you a nice, clean lamb, all this type of stuff. You know, money, money, money. I'm sure you might have met someone in your life who was all about the money. And they will manipulate with money. And they will do what they want to with money. Well, like we said at the beginning, there's many warnings about money. And I guarantee you, you are not manipulating people with money by faith. That's not an act of faith. Now, you can do the faith formula. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I, I knew somebody who would go to a casino and, and pull the lever in Jesus' name. I don't want to go down that route. <laughs> but you could use the faith formula to try to steal a company from somebody to make money and try to do this and try to do that. But I guarantee you, the Lord is not in that. The devil is the one that came to steal, not God. And so um, covetousness is you're trying to take advantage, trying to force, uh, greedily desiring things. You know, like, uh, like uh, the word says that you may heap it on yourself. Uh, you don't have because you don't ask or because you ask with the wrong motives. And so um, it is not the wrong motive to need to provide for your family. It is not the wrong motive to have seed to sow. It is not the wrong motive to give into every good work. It is not the wrong motive to have good transportation, right? So uh, because why? In order to receive from God, you must act in faith. In order to act in faith, you must have the word established in your heart concerning the subject. Once you get the word established in your heart, well, then you can act boldly in faith. Say, but my God shall supply all of my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. All right. I'm not going to get to go to that scripture. Okay. So let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, where you are already there, and I will get there real quick, and we will uh, wrap this up. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant of the grace of God that was bestowed upon the churches of Macedonia. Those churches were the church at Philippi, the church at Berea, and the church at Thessalonica. So the church at Philippi, Thessalonica, and Berea. Or Berea, Thessalonica, and Philippi. Or Thessalonica, Berea, and Philippi. 
So the churches of the Macedonian region. So it wasn't just one church. It wasn't just one assembly. It was three assemblies. So he said, I don't want you to be ignorant of the grace of God that was bestowed upon the churches of Macedonia. How in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded to the riches of their liberality or their generosity. So you get this picture. We've talked on this uh, many times before. But these Macedonian believers at Berea, Philippi, and Thessalonica, uh, they got great adversity coming their way. They got lots of problems, lots of challenges, lots of things that they have to overcome. But it says that they gave with joy and a lot of adversity, and they had deep poverty. Yet they gave with joy. And then verse 7 says, Therefore, as you abound in everything, in faith, utterance, knowledge, and your diligence, and your love to us, see to it that you abound in this grace also. What grace is that? That's the grace of giving and the grace of receiving. The grace of giving and receiving. And so he said, you know, you may be a, 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 a great woman of faith, a great man of faith, that uh, you, you've received the grace of diligence, that you diligently seek after the things of God, that your heart is diligent, diligently after the Lord. He said, see to it that you abound in this grace also. Don't leave this one out. He said, I don't want you to not know. Listen, there were these churches who were very, very poor. And not only were they poor, but they had a lot of troubles, a lot of problems, a lot of things going on. But they gave generously with joy. Well, God loves that kind of giver. We learn in chapter 9. God loves a cheerful giver. And so they were doing something God loved. How in the world did they do that? The grace of God, right? Uh, verse 4, uh, 3, 4, to their power I bear record, and beyond themselves, they were willing of themselves beyond their own power. So whatever they had to give, uh, they were willing even beyond what the the money they had to give, they had willingness beyond their resources. Their hearts were willing. They're like, oh, here, here, we want to give. Ooh, I'm so glad I get to give. Poor people, poor people. Oh, I'm so glad I get to give. I don't have enough. I'm so glad I get to give this. I'm lacking. I'm so glad I get to give this. Right? Praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first they gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. So how did they do this? Well, first they gave themselves to the Lord. Well, that sounds like an act of faith to me. You receive grace by faith, right? So I, I just turned my whole situation over to the Lord. So, okay, Lord, I'm giving you, I don't have anything. I have like nothing, poverty, poverty. But what I do have, I'm turning over to you. First, I give myself to you. And now I'm going to give myself to them. Right? Now, now I'm going to sow a seed. So let's go over to Philippians uh, chapter 4. Where are we going? What church is that? The church at Philippi. This is Paul's letter to the church at Philippi. This is one of the Macedonian churches. Same people. Well, you know, I have Berea and Thessalonica as well. But we'll, he'll, he'll actually talk about Thessalonica here in a second in, in the letter to the Philippians. So Paul is writing a letter. To, so the other letter we read was written to the Corinthians. 
So he's telling the church at Corinth, hey, I don't, I don't want you to not know about the grace of God that hit these churches in Macedonia. We went to Macedonia, and all of a sudden, boom, the grace of God hit. And when that grace of God hit, it, it was a grace of giving and receiving. Why? How do I know it's receiving as well? Because we're going to read in just a second, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but you only. Speaking of the church of Philippi. Right? And he, he's going to say, like, you're the only church that actually supported me on my missionary journey. The only one that supported the Apostle Paul was the church of Philippi, which was a church with great adversity and deep poverty, but they did it joyfully. They're like, this is great. Why? Because, and Paul, Paul is then writing to them and saying, you know, to the Corinthians and saying, you got you to know about this. I want you to know about this. Why? Because there's some people in deep poverty in more places than just Philippi, just Berea, just Thessalonica. Jesus, in Luke chapter 4, I'll just quote it for you. Well, I'm not going to quote it. I'm going to read it so I don't get it wrong. Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Jesus was anointed by the Spirit of the living God to preach the gospel to the poor. Recover your sight to the blind, you know, set at liberty to them and their abuse, you know. But we're focusing on preach the gospel to the poor. Did you know poverty is part of the curse? And we have been redeemed from the curse of the law. But Jesus preached the gospel to the poor. What does gospel mean? Good news. So what would be good news to poor people? You don't have to be poor anymore. You can stop being poor right now. You don't have to be poor anymore. Poor literally means like you're so weighted down that you are bent over with the weight of this. So that could include other things, but certainly that includes financial poorness. So Jesus was anointed by the Spirit of God to preach the gospel to the poor. Praise God. He came to set the captive free. If you've never been poor, you don't understand what captivity that is. If you've never been poor. When you're poor, you think poor. And therefore you stay poor. And then a lot of uh, greedy people prey on the poor. You got extra fees, your late fee, you bounce a check fee, you got a this fee and a that fee, and the government tries to regulate some of those fees because they would just like totally uh, obliterate uh, people that don't have the finances to do it. And those are the very people that actually need the help and need to learn how to get out of that, but they're just like Perpetuating it. I knew a banker one time, not really personally, I was acquainted with him, but he kind of he kind of was happy in the fact. He's like, he's like, and yeah, you people are gonna like uh, come and then you're gonna bounce a check and I'm gonna get more money from you, and then you're gonna do this, and I'm gonna get more money here, and I'm gonna get more money there, and I'm gonna get more money there, and he claimed to be a Christian. I thought, man, 
I'm not saying you do with finances, you have to have rules and standards, but I'm saying, like, where's the grace? Where's the mercy, you know? Anyhow, I don't want to get on that soapbox. So, the grace of God hit those churches of Macedonia. So much so that they, you know, we read over verse 2 or verse 3 in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. They begged us, we, please let us give. We got to give. We got to give. We got to give. You know, we were in the Philippines in 2005, and we had a church like that. You know, only one of them. <laughs> we preached at three. And one of them, they're, they're like, oh, here. You know, we came to uh, preach and bring money and give them money and bless them. And they're like, hey, we're going to send you on a, on a date. You, just you and your wife. We're paying for it. And then we're doing this. And then they tried to give us an offering. And I tried to refuse the offering. And as I'm refusing the offering, I'm thinking of all the scriptures about receiving the offering. But I'm like, yeah, but these people are poor. They need the money, you know. The dirt floors. Bad situation. Like, you know, my flesh was like, no, you can't receive this. But my spirit was like, what do you believe? So we received it. Praise the Lord. But you know, that church of all the three churches we went to, that church is a church that used to be meeting in a cockfighting arena, and they'd have to clean up the blood and guts and everything else on a Sunday morning before they had services. It was a dirt floor, you know, amphitheater type of thing that they met in. But man, they had some amazing Holy Ghost services going on. But then they started doing what the Bible says concerning giving and receiving and they went from a cockfighting arena to the nicest building in the whole village. And in fact, their building looked like something that you would only see in Manila, which is the capital. Beautiful building. And that's where I got to preach was that building. I saw the cockfighting arena, but I didn't preach there. It would have been kind of fun to preach there. But, uh, so I had to preach there. And then no, nobody had vehicles. None of the other pastors really had their, their own vehicles, but they had their own vehicle. Why? And they said, he said, you know, this was not American money. We believed God. God provided. Well, I don't want to believe something or preach something or give you something that doesn't work in every place on earth. If it only works in America, a prosperous country, what good is it? I guess it's only good for people here. Uh, this works for anybody, anywhere, anytime, if you just believe. If you only believe. Okay, so it worked. So uh, uh, Paul is just so, so amazing to me. And you think as a minister, like his heart for people. So he's telling the church at Corinth, you got to know what's going on. Look at what God is doing at the churches of Macedonia. I don't want you to not know it. I don't want you to be ignorant of it because I want you to participate in it. Because if he did it for them, he'll do it for you. And if he did it for them at Berea and he did it for them at Thessalonica, and he did it for them at Philippi, and he, he wants to do it for them at Corinth, what would he do for the church where are we at now? Oakton? Fairfax? Vienna? Vienna? Herndon? Yeah. <laughs> out west? Falls Church? Out east? D.C.? Where's Maryland? Maryland? Maryland's feeding the baby? Maryland there and Maryland's feeding the other baby? He'll do it for you. God is no respecter of persons. Not only is he not a respecter of persons. I like F.F. F. Bosworth. He said, the, uh, the Bible magnifies God's strong desire 
to do anything that would be a good thing to do for his children. He doesn't just magnify uh, God's ability, but it magnifies God's willingness. So what I'm saying is, God is not only able to increase you financially, he has such a desire to see you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. What did somebody say? He wants to use you as an advertisement of how good he is. So it's a marvelous opportunity to step out in faith. Would you, how many people would like to have a good testimony about your finances and see God move in a way that you've never seen him move in your finances before? And you know that only God could do that. Well, the thing with a good testimony is test is part of the word. In other words, whatever your financial challenge is, this is a testimony in the making. This is an opportunity to see God hit your finances like he's never hit your finances before. See the increase of God so that you look at your financial picture, whatever you're challenged with financially, and say, whoa, amazing grace. How sweet the check that blessed someone like me. I once was poor, but now I'm rich. Well, that's one thing. If you get rich because of the work of your own hands, your own expertise and intellect, that's another thing, or, or even from someone else's. It's another thing when you say, only God could do this. This came from my father. You remember that the kings were going to give Abraham all of his treasures. And he said, no, 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 I'm not even taking it. Because you're going to say, I made Abraham rich. And I want everybody to know God is the one that made me rich. Yeah. Praise the Lord. All right, let's get to this so we can now finish. Well, Brother Hagin said, my sermons are like a freight train. I just unhook one week and hook back up the next. Uh, verse 10 of chapter 4, Philippians chapter 4. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again. He's saying this to the church at Philippi who gave out of great adversity, full of joy and deep poverty. Right? So that would be like me saying this to the, the uh, Philippine church. The church in Philippine. Get my Philip's straight. Not Philippi, but Philippine. Okay. Nobody's laughing, but I think it's funny. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again. In other words, man, the money you sent came again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak of want, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content there. I know both how to be abased and how to abound everywhere and in all things. I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Oh, I didn't really have much time. We're like supposed to be done right now. So at least I'll say this. He said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I learned how to be abased and how to abound. 
Godliness with contentment is great gain. And so he's saying, I'm not ruled by the money. I'm not ruled by the provision. I have learned no matter what state I'm in, I am content right there. In other words, I'm not going to wait to serve God until I have a lot of money. And I'm not going to have a lot of money and say, I can't serve God because I have so much money. You live long enough, you see people come to the Lord, you see people start to learn about the laws of seed time and harvest, giving and receiving. Sometimes people will actually take those laws, they'll start out, act in faith, and then all of a sudden when the blessing of the Lord comes, they get too busy for God. Well, Paul said, I've learned in every state how to be content. In other words, the financial picture is secondary issue. I have great contentment in my heart. The Lord always provides. So sometimes you want to have faith for like uh, so much financial margin. But sometimes you'll be like Paul. You'll have times in your life that you don't have money in the bank. But the Lord still provides everything you need. I had one, I had one time I was making what I thought was pretty good money at a computer company. The Lord said, I want you to go work at uh, Rama. Well, it was a different financial picture there. And then I went and worked at an IT company after that and, you know, made a lot more money. But you know, while I was there, I had more provision, didn't have more money, but I had more provision than I had at the other two times. So the Lord provides. And our flesh was like, I want to have all my decks in a row, have this and this and this and this, and always know where all the money is or all the money's coming from. Sometimes the Lord will require of you a step of faith that he will provide. So I used to go on mission trips, and I used to pay for the mission trips. I believe God to save up the money to go on mission trips, and the Lord challenged me. He said, I don't want you to save up money for this trip. I know you can do it. I'd learn how to act in faith concerning the blessing, his blessing on my, the work of my hands. But the Lord said, I want you to believe me for the money to go on this missions trip that it's not something that you work to get. Oh! I actually think the Philippines trip was the first one that that happened on. Praise the Lord. All right. So all states how to be content. Verse 14, notwithstanding, I have, uh, you've done well that you did communicate with my affliction. Now you Philippians know that in the beginning of the gospel when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica, you sent once again to my necessity, not because I desire a gift. Listen to this. this listen to the heart of God in this. Not because I desire a gift, but I desire that fruit may abound to your account. But I have all, I abound, I'm full, having received from Epaphroditus the things that were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So he said, you know, you, you gave when I was outside of the Macedonian region. You're the only church, in fact, that did that. And then even when I was in Thessalonica, you gave again to my necessity. And I'm not telling you this, church at Philippi, I'm not telling you this because I'm trying to get you to give something. I have all. I, I, I'm abounding. I got more than enough. But I want fruit to abound to your account. I don't want you to be ignorant of the grace of God. And I love 
that verse 19 doesn't say, and God. It literally says, but my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. So he's saying, you gave and you gave again, but don't think you're going to lack because my God shall supply all of your need. Look, he supplied all of my need through your hands. I have, I abound. I have more than enough. And, but it's not just me. It's for you too. But my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So it's like he's talking to people that have sown some financial seeds. And he's saying, don't just leave the seed in the ground and think nothing's happening. Listen, God supplied my needs so much that I am overflowing and my God shall supply all of your need. Don't think you give and God doesn't show up and multiply your seed sown, that God doesn't know what you're doing. Praise the Lord. I know we're a little over. Praise the Lord. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 4. He that observes the wind will not sow, and the one that regards the clouds will not reap. As you know, not what is the way of the Spirit, nor how the bones grow in the womb of her that has a child, even so you don't know the works of God who makes all. In the morning, sow your seed, and in the evening, withhold not your hand. For you know not whether it what will prosper, either this or that, or whether they um, both shall be good alike. Isaiah 32, 20. Blessed are you that sow beside all the waters that send forth uh, your feet of the ox and the donkey. And so I was actually looking for the scripture in Ecclesiastes that talks about um, cast your bread upon the waters. Oh, that's Proverbs, that's why. Uh, Cast your bread upon the waters and it will come back to you in many days. Amplified translations of Isaiah 32, 20 says, Happy, fortunate are you who cast your seed upon the waters when the rivers overflow its banks, for the seed will sink into the mud. And when the waters subside, the plant will spring up. You will find it after many days and reap an abundant harvest. You who safely send forth the ox and the donkey to range freely. So this is talking about the, the Hebrew children, when they would travel, they would cast seed upon the waters. And that seed would go and then the floodwaters would come and lift that seed and deposit it on the sides, the banks of the river. So that like you're see, seeing here in Isaiah 32, that when they would get to that place in their journey, their seed had already gone on before them and God had prospered that seed. And they, uh, they received of the abundant supply of the seed that they had cast upon the waters. So Paul is saying, when you have sown your seed, you, you got to know. My God shall supply all of your need. So if you have a need, you just put your faith on it. So I started to see this uh, uh, clear uh, a week uh, earlier this week, I think it was. When I did, man, I had like uh, something attack my body. And I was like, but my God 
shall supply all of my need. I need health in my body right now, but my God shall supply. So I love that it says, but, because it's like somebody said, you serve a big but God. Maybe I said that wrong. It's all right. Okay. You serve a big but God. Because it seems like God's always saying, but God, but God. So he said, all of your need. Of course, that includes financial because he's talking about financial. But sometimes you need a relationship. Sometimes you need a connection. Sometimes you, you, you need a rest. Uh, sometimes you need finances. But my God shall supply all of my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So that's my new confession every single day, all the time, no matter what I face. But my God shall supply. I was trying to figure something out the other day, and I said, but my God shall supply all the wisdom I need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I looked at some things I have to do uh, in my own home, and I said, but my God shall supply all all of my need according to his riches and glory by Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. It's not based upon my ability, my strength. Hallelujah. The Lord told Jesse to plan us. He's, he had no money, no nothing. He's taking his pickup truck at the gas station, filling it up, and a jet flies over. The Lord said something like, I'll, I'll give you one of those. And the Lord said, I can't even, I mean, Jesse said, I can't even afford to fill up my tank. What do you mean you want me to uh, have one of those? I, 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 I can't get one of those. He said, I didn't ask you to pay for it. I asked you to believe for it. So just stop trying to make it happen. Believe God for something that's beyond where you're at. You're probably not going to go from believing God for $1,000 to believing God for a million dollars in a day. So if you never believe God for anything, how about you just believe God for $20? And he will come through. And once you believe God for $20, why don't you believe him for 30 once you for 30, why don't you believe him for 50? Something only he could do. Jesus was anointed to preach the gospel to the poor. Deliverance to the captive. Recovering of sight to the blind. To set at liberty them that are bruised. Stand up. Stand with me. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here this morning online in person and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior... God loves you. He has a plan for your life. The way that you come to God is not because of the things that you do or the things that you don't do. You come because of the things that Jesus did. Because Jesus died on the cross to take away your sins. Because Jesus died on the cross to, to uh, <clears throat> take, you, uh, take every sickness and disease away from you. Because Jesus died on the cross to take the poverty in every form out of your life. God didn't just design a plan to make you a new creature. He designed a plan to make you a new creature and give you his words that would totally transform your life in every area. He desires that you prosper in every part of your life. Every part of your life. If you'd like to receive Jesus as your Lord, I want you just to slip up your hand. Every head bowed, every eye closed. And I'll see your hand. You can put it up online if you're watching online. And we're going to pray a prayer in just a second. And when we do, God's going to hear your prayer. He's going to answer your prayer. He's going to come into your life. He's going to recreate you. He's going to give you a new life, a new future, new hope, new vision. He is going to deliver you from, every, from the power of the enemy in every single form and facet. If you'd like to receive Christ, or if you already have, say this confession with us. Say, oh God, I believe Jesus Christ is your son. That he died on the cross to take away my sins. 
and to make me right with you. Lord Jesus, I receive you as my Lord. I turn my whole life over to you. Everything I am and everything I have, it's yours. Thank you for saving me. Father God, thank you for being my father, bringing me into your family and delivering me from the power of the enemy. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. If you prayed that prayer, please let us know. You can go back to the red uh, table back there, or if you're online, you can fill out the form online. We'd love to get you some materials and uh, get your name so we can pray for you. And uh, if I could leave you with one thing for this week, I, I, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. Take Philippians 4.19 with you and apply it to every arena of your life. You don't know the words in a relationship to use, but my God shall supply all of my need according to his riches and glory. I've given and I've given again, but my God shall supply. In other words, I've given and I've given again, but I'm not going to have less. I'm going to have more. I'm going to give more than I've ever given and I'll still have more than I've ever had. Uh, I'm well able to give into every good work. The Lord's increasing and multiplying my seed sown. The Lord gives me opportunity. The Lord gives me financial increase. The Lord gives me direction. Jesus is Lord of my life. The Lord gives me seed to the sow, to seed to sow. Uh, the Lord supplies all of my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. How do I know what's seed and what's not seed? But my God shall supply all of my need according to his riches and glory. Uh, he leads me. He guides me every step of the way. I always know what to do. I always know what's seed. I always know what's to meet a need. I always know. Every time, I always know. Well, you grab hold of that. You speak that voice of faith. Don't let the devil steal a penny from you. Hallelujah. Make the devil sow into the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just because of that devil, I'm going to double my giving. Hallelujah. I'm going to increase. Anytime the devil, I'd be sowing a seed, the devil say something, I'll, I always like, all right, I'm giving more. Just because you said that, I'm giving more. I don't believe you. I believe God. My God shall supply all of my need according to his riches and glory. Amen.